Life support replaces a failing bodily function, and it takes uh, every one of us, because we're a church body, it takes every one of us to make this thing run. Every one of us is as important as the next person. Not one of us is better. The pastor's not better. The, the, the person who is, is mopping the floors is not better. The person who's putting the chairs out is not. Everybody's the same, and nobody's less. If you have to clean something, if you have to clean a mess up, it doesn't make you less. We're all the same. We're all equal. We work at this together with Christ being the head. And so uh, we learned that in, in life support, in many churches, we see that the pastor tends to be the life support or maybe one or two other people, and we have to all work together at this. This week, the question that I want to ask you on life support is will the church survive? The last one was will the church survive family or change? This one is will you, the church survive family? So the last one was will the church survive change? This week is will the church survive family? And, and my wife's like, that's kind of a funny title. What, is, what in the world? I said, well, you just have to listen to the message after I get finished with it to understand it. But when we talk about the church, we use the word family, right? I mean, that's what I use. I want us all to be a family. I want us to come together. I want us to have each other's back. I want us to love each other and care about each other because we should be a family. Uh, as we talked in a Bible study a few weeks ago, the, the idea of church as a function of, in a building was not what originally was going on in the New Testament. That is, a, that is a, a concept that came on later down the road, and we won't go all into that. But a lot of times we think of church and we say, I went to church or this is my church, and we're talking about a building. We're not talking about a family. And I want us to, to, to rearrange our thinking to the point that we say that church is family. has nothing to do with the building. Because if tomorrow, if the, if the, uh, the government of the United States came in and said that serving the Lord in a, church, in a building is illegal... <clears throat> What would we do? Having church in a building is illegal. What would we do? We would continue to have church because we're a family. Whereas if a dealership was told, this is what we've got right here, you can no longer sell vehicles in a parking lot. Where am I going to put vehicles? You know what I'm saying? So they'd have to stop selling vehicles. But church doesn't stop because something happens to a building. Because church is family. Church is something that we are all a part of it. But many times it seems kind of hard. Many of you may have come, or some of you may have come uh, this morning and said, you know, I've been a part of a church and been hurt. A lot of times we get hurt in church. A lot of times it's difficult to go back because we've been hurt. Why do we treat each other that way? Because I know that I don't want to be treated that way. Some of the things we do in church are worse than what we would do to people we don't like outside the church. And that is our family. Those are people that we're supposed to love and take care of. Those are the people we're supposed to be there for. I was talking to a lady this week in their house. They had a house fire. And it destroyed the inside of the house but didn't destroy the framework. So they're having it, uh, the inside is all being rebuilt. And she says, you know, it's funny, the church that, uh, the, the, this, this other church across in this other city has taken up a fund for us. But the church that I go to, 
has done not one thing to help me. Not one thing. And I was thinking, why are you still going there? I mean, they haven't done anything at all. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that the church should be just doling out money for this and that and the other. But at the same time, the church had done nothing, nothing, not even helped her with any food or any, any uh, clothing or anything like that. And I, I'm, I'm like, that is amazing because we should be a family. We should be working to help each other. But I want to, to take you to this thought that the reason that we're seeing so much struggle in church is because in our society, we have changed the definition of family. And so when we come to church, the definition of family has been changed. We don't see any kind of hierarchy in church. We don't see that, that you know, we need to listen to this person. We need to do this. We need to work together here. I've got this role. This person has that role. Because we have changed the definition in society of family that is totally different than it used to be. You know, it used to be that the father was the head of the house and the, 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 uh, the mother was, was there and, and they worked together and they supported the family together. Uh, the father might make the living and the mother might take care of children and she might do other things. And I always say the moms have the worst job because their job never ends. You know, if, if uh, my, my wife is a stay-at-home mom, her job never ends. She can't just leave. She can't, she can't quit. If she quits, she can't put a two-week notice in because if she puts a two-week notice in, who's going to take care of the I mean, who's going to be there for the children? It's, it's a never-ending job. And so I think it's the hardest. But we all have a role to play. But now we see in society, we watch TV commercials, right? And, and they always show the father as being some stupid, dumb, trips over himself, not smart guy. The husband can't make decisions on his own. It, it's, you know... The wife has to make his decisions for him. But then the wife makes all the decisions based on what the children want. We have to do what the kids want now. We, we, I've got to make sure my kids are happy. So I've got to work hard to make my children happy instead of saying, wait a minute, what's supposed to go on here? We see this even in church now. I mean, the statistics show us that people go to church, the parents go to church, grandparents go to church where the kids want to go to church. And I'll tell you, when I was growing up, I went to church where mom and dad said I went to church. I didn't get a choice. I didn't get a choice. It didn't matter if we had kids' church. It didn't matter if we had anything else. I was, that's where I was at. That's the church I was in. I didn't have a choice. So in this mainstream secular society, we flipped, we flipped the family upside down where the father has the, the least role in the household and the children had the most role in the household. No, what, what's amazing is that studies have shown that the best way for young ladies to grow, like I've got four girls, young ladies to grow up is that their dads are involved in their life. That their dads, if a young lady dresses inappropriately, it's probably because their dad hasn't told them differently. And it's difficult. We see that with young men. Young men who have father roles in the house, how they grow up and how they mature, totally different. Those fathers that care about them. Fathers are not perfect, but they have been put there by God for a reason. This morning, I, I want to talk more next week probably about children unless we get to it this week. But this morning, I want to just read out of Ephesians chapter 5 starting in verse 22 and just talk a little bit about these roles because the question of will the church survive family is if we don't have our families right, then it's going to be very difficult as a church to have the church right. 
The Bible talks about elders and overseers, deacons and bishops, and it talks about what those people are supposed to be like and what their families are supposed to be like. And, if though, and it shows us that the people leading our churches, the people that are, that, that are the leaders in our church, are supposed to have families that are godly families. So let's, let's read this real quick. Uh, I've got a, a few scriptures here. Verse 22 through 33 says, Further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies, for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So what we're reading here, we understand that God wants our families, how God wants our families to be set up with a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And, and as we talked about, society has changed this. They're saying there's no need in this. They're saying there's no need. <clears throat> the divorce rate is, is high in America. The out-of-wedlock births are high in America. We see celebrities that are having children, and then they split up and they say, oh, well, we're fine, we're cool, everything's great. It's not that big a deal. The news all the time we see it all the time. And when somebody gets pregnant, you know, it used to be, oh, my goodness, they got, what are they going to do now? Who's, who's the father? How are they going to make this work out? Do they really care about each other? Or was this just a fling? Is the child going to have somebody to care for them? <clears throat> they don't see that this goes against the way that God created us and how it has a huge impact on the children. Divorce itself is looked as nothing different than going to the store and exchanging something that didn't work out for you. Not looking at how it affects even the wife and the husband. Because sometimes we'll throw it on the kids. Oh, yeah, I feel bad for the kids. But what about the wife or the husband? And, I, you know, it doesn't matter. Even if it's an abusive situation, it is still difficult for that person if they have to split from their spouse because that's not what they intended. They didn't get married to, to split up. But society and, and the TV commercials and the TV shows and the movies are telling us this is natural. This is normal. Don't worry about it. What about fidelity? Staying faithful to one's spouse. Again, anything goes. The broken hearts and lives that are left in the wake of these values are endless. But who really cares? The attitude is we just need to get over it. We just need to get over it. It's not a big deal. 
you're making much more out of it than you should be. That's what our society is telling us. Recently, I was standing in line for a jury selection. I overheard a conversation of these two ladies. And, And this young lady probably was around 30 years old, pretty young lady, and she had a uh, seven-year-old son and had a picture of him. I was just excited about her son. And then as I listened to the conversation, these two ladies were talking, as I was listening to the conversation, she talked about how she was going through a divorce. And um, the older lady evidently had known her from somewhere in the past. They knew each other a little bit, and they were talking about it. But as I listened to the conversation, I realized that it was like to them, it wasn't really that big a deal that she was going through a divorce. It wasn't a huge deal that she was going through a divorce. And I thought, how sad. You just, you just showed her a picture of your seven-year-old son and how awesome he is. Oh, but the dad's going to be in his life, this, that, and the other. Things are just okay. Now, I don't know. I don't know the backdrop to the situation, why the divorce is going on, or all those things. I was just shocked by the, the there, there was no concern. There was no, I don't know what I'm going to do. There was, it was like, no big deal. Going through a divorce. But see, God didn't plan that. God didn't plan for us to be going through divorce. He didn't want us to be passe about this. You see, we want to do what we want to do, though. We get so focused on what we want to do. Men, we get focused on what we want to do. We get focused on, on, on uh, other things than we should. If we're married, sometimes... We get too focused on other things and we forget about our wives. And sadly enough, some forget about their wives so much that they go to other women. They go to other things that take them away from their family. We forget so easily who is affected by the decisions that we make as a family unit. We make a decision Sometimes not thinking about that. We forget what God's plan is for the family. And we quickly move to something different. Something that he never intended for us. Now, I just want you to understand. I'm not condemning anyone here this morning. Divorce happens. It's not what God wants, but it happens. But I don't know your situation. So I don't want you sitting here going, oh my goodness, you know, I went through this. No, that's not what I'm saying. Every person's life is different. Your situation is different. And I care about your situation. I've said all along as the pastor of this church, I got your back. I'm here for you. Whether you made a mistake or the other person made a mistake, whether you were in an abusive situation that you had to get out of, I am here for you. And I don't condemn you. Jesus doesn't condemn you, so I don't condemn you. You don't have to shut the door. I don't mind hearing the kids having fun back there. Y'all, have, y'all mind hearing kids having fun back there? I think it's great. <laughs> there is so much pain, though. So much pain. Even if your spouse was terrible, you've went through that pain. I know you have. I know people. I've talked to too many people who've went through that pain. They didn't want it. But what I want for us as a church to understand this morning is that God has a plan for each family, and his model is the best model. But when the model gets messed up, it hurts so many people, 
And I want our church family to model God's plan so that we don't have to go through the pain and suffering that comes with breaking God's plan. We need to be careful when watching the way the world tells us the family should be like and ask, does it line up with God's plan? Because it can get very easy, folks. You watch enough TV, it can get very easy. I was reading about a, 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 a woman this morning. I was reading, and uh, it was on LifeSite News, and, and uh, she, is a, uh, uh, she was in the porn industry, and she was a star in the porn industry. And she was talking about the negative impacts, uh, uh, impact of porn and talking about what goes on in the industry and everything, and, and it's just sickening. I mean, it's just horrible. She said the majority of women who get into that trade were abused as children. You see what I'm talking about? The negative impacts of what goes on in a family. The majority of women who get in that trade were abused as children. And so they don't see themselves as having any worth. They don't see themselves as anybody cares about them. And so she said, you know, what happened with her? She became rebellious with her father. And two, she liked it because her father didn't treat her well. And she was abused by... uh, uh, by a relative when she was younger, when she was nine years old. And she said, you know, the, the thing was is, is I like to hear I love you from these guys, you know. And so she, she got into this, and before she, you know it, she was into prostitution, and then she, she became a star in the porn industry. And but she said, you know, this is not it. This is not the way. I had to get out of it because it's not the way that a family is really supposed to be. When we abuse each other in church, what do we do? We force them out into something else. If they're not running to the arms of the people in the church, if they're not running to our arms for love and compassion, for help, they've got to go somewhere. And I don't want to be a church, and I don't want this church ever to be the church where people are running a different direction. I want those that are hurting and abused to be running here. Because we have something that can help them. Jesus can help them. We can be Jesus to these people. I want to tell you a story when it comes to the the negative effects on a family. But what we can do as a family, an impact that we can have. There was a, a lady who loved Jesus with all her heart, and she had, a, she had five or six children. And her husband was a drunk, and he hated God, and he hated that she went to church. And she'd go to church sometimes, and he'd throw her, her laundry out, throw all of her stuff out in the, in, in the front yard. Lock her out. It'd be freezing cold outside, and lock her outside. He'd beat her, do all these kind of things, but she never would leave him. He was very abusive. And let me tell you something. I'm not advocating for that. If somebody came to me, I'm going to tell you this right now. If a woman came to me saying my husband is beating me and abusing me, my recommendation would be to separate. And then if it, it led to, to a divorce, then that would. So I'm not saying that this, this is the right way to do it. This is what she felt the Lord was wanting her to do. So I don't want you to walk out of here saying something, you know, different, that <laughs> Pastor Adam said, no, I didn't say that. Okay? I'm going to err on the side of you being healthy and not having broken bones, okay? So anyway... She loved the Lord so much, one day she's there, she's praying. He comes in in a drunken stupor. He's mad. 
He sees her praying, he opens the door, sees her praying, and he kicks her in the, in, in the middle of her body somewhere. I mean, kicks her as hard as he can. Injures her, injures her to the point that she's put in intensive care. He comes to intensive care, and he, uh, the, her pastor's sitting there with her, and, and uh, comes in, and, and uh, a couple of the kids are with him, and he begins to cry because of what he did to his wife while he was drunk. And she says to him, he sits down and, and I'm so sorry, well, you know, I don't know what to do to make it up. She says, here's what I want you to do. Open the Bible to Psalm 23. So he opens the Bible to Psalm 23 and he begins to read that. And she, or she says, read it out loud. So he begins to read it. He says, the Lord is your shepherd. She says, no, no, read it right. He goes, the Lord is your shepherd. No, read it exactly the way it is. And he begins to, 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 to break down crying. Finally, he begins to say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That night he gave his life to the Lord. When we talk about a wife submitting and respecting her husband, this woman submitted and respected her husband to the point that he became a Christian. Again, remember what I said. I'm not saying stay in that relationship. Every relationship needs to be looked at when it comes to, to physical abuse. But I'm just saying, I'm just using it as an extreme story, extreme example of where, where she stayed so that he could get saved. That's God's plan is for wives to submit to their husbands. And we see that in church when we talk about submitting to authority in church. But I want to go further, and I think it all gets lost. See what I, we, we like to hear that, you know, guys, we like to hear that, right? Wives, submit to your husbands. That sounds great. But what it says next, remember what it says next? It says that husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Husbands, you should not expect your wife to be submissive in a way that works with you. And when I say submissive, Christy and I, we work together as one core nucleus. She doesn't go around and do everything I tell her to do. We work together at it. We find common ground in our relationship. But, she know, but we know that if, if a final decision has to be made, then I can make that final decision. But I understand that I have to love her like Christ loved the church. And see, Christ loved the church so much. In, in John chapter 3, verse 17, he says that he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. Husbands, you were not set on this earth to condemn your wife and tell your wife how horrible she is because she doesn't do it the way she's supposed to do it. You're not here to berate your wife. That's not, that's not what Christ did to us. You know, he loved us so much before we were sinners, he died for us. And when we talk about husbands, how we're supposed to love our wives, we're supposed to love our wives to the point that we are willing to die for them. That's how we're supposed to love our wives. 
You see where I'm talking about how we've messed everything up in society. Society's told us this is the way family's supposed to be. But God says, no, if you'll just do it this way. But society says, no, no, women, you, you can just go do your own thing. But then what they lose is they lose that protection and that love of their husband. And in the same respect, we say, husbands, you can do your own thing. You know, just go watch your football game. Go do your thing. That's fine. As a matter of fact, you want to go look at, look at other women online? That's fine. You know, you want to go out and do this and that and the other? That's fine. No. We're supposed to love and care for our wives like Christ did. The church. We don't have an excuse. Husbands, we don't have an excuse. We have got to love our wives. If we're going to be godly men, we have got to love our wives and care for our wives. And if we want the church to be a godly church and be a church built around the way God wants a church family to be, then we have to be this way. Men, let's put it in this context. We are told to love our wives like our own bodies. We're supposed to care that much. We're supposed to take on that responsibility. It is our responsibility. There's nothing wrong if, if, if the wife wants to work or do things outside the home, but it's our responsibility to make sure our wives are fed and taken care of. That's our responsibility. That's what, that's what we've got to understand about this love. That story I told you earlier, the husband didn't take care of his wife. Instead, he abused his role. And we, as husbands, do not need to abuse our role. We have to be careful because we can abuse that role without ever even realizing it, without beating our wives, but really not caring for them. These roles, these, these two roles that we've talked about this morning that I've laid out for you, is not what the world wants us to do, but it is God's plan. And when this is done, God is able to really bless each of our families. Now, some people call this old-fashioned, but I just call it God-fashioned. He fashioned it this way. I don't want to see divorce, and I don't want to see divorce in this church. When I mean, when I mean divorce in this church, I'm talking about I don't want to see people divorce themselves from the church. There are too many people today sitting at home, not going to church, Because they have been abused, they've been neglected, and they've been hurt by a church family somewhere. And it takes so much time. We have had people visit here who have been so hurt in church that they're just not willing to give it a chance yet. They go home, maybe they'll come back, they'll go home, maybe they'll come back once in a while. But they're scared of what will happen if they become a part of a church family again. God has given every one of us roles in the church. We were called members. We're called one body. We all have roles. Now, some of you are still praying about what role you would have in Unlimited, what role he would have for you, but he has, a, he has it for each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. I don't want you to sit back and go, oh, there's no role for me. There's nothing for me. You, every one of you, play an important part. Every hug, every handshake, every hello counts. Every one of them. 
I like what Sister Karen said. One of the churches she was at, they really taught their greeters to be sensitive to the needs of the people as they walked through the door of the church. And they gave them the liberty to stop and pray with that person. Say, you know, if God is touching your heart to pray for that person, if you sense something is going on, then stop and pray for that person. I like things to be done decently in order, but I tell you, when it's God's order, it is decent and it's in order. And those kind of things are so special. Every one of you has a role. Every one of your roles supports the entire church. It's like I said earlier. You go, well, you know, I just, I just, do, I just mopped up a kid's mess. And you know what? If you didn't mop up the kid's mess, I'd have to mop up the kid's mess. You know what I'm saying? Somebody else would have to take that role. Every one of them is important. You go, you said, will the church survive family? If our family is split up at home, if we can't get along with each other, husbands and wives, if we can't lead husbands, if we can't love our wives like we're supposed to, then how in the world do we expect to come to church in 20 years from now have a healthy church? Healthy churches are built with healthy families. And healthy families encourage and strengthen other families that need that. They do. So your family is important. Don't neglect your family. Don't neglect your family for for a job. Don't neglect it for ministry. Notice I said ministry. I didn't say God. God's always first. But God will help you with your family. Ministry is something different. Don't neglect it for that. Instead, say, God, how can I love my family? How can I take care of my family? How can I take care of my wife? Wives, how can I take care of my husband? So that my family is strong. Because if my family is strong, then my church will be strong. And if my church is strong, then I can reach more people for Christ. Because we can do this together. We can go and do this together. Let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. I just thank you for every person that has come this morning and spent an op- and had an opportunity and spent time with you, spent time with this church family. And I, I, I pray for those that are still traveling that from, from Thanksgiving that are still driving in right now, Lord, and coming back home. Lord, I pray that you'll continue to keep them safe, keep your hand of protection on them. And Lord, we just love our communities. That's why we want a strong church. That's why we want our church family to be strong. That's why we want the church to survive family. And it will survive family if our families are strong. If if we're patterned and focused on you. If we pattern our families after you, Lord, they will be strong. And through that, our church will be strong and we can reach many for Christ. Lord, I pray... I just take a moment to pray for those who have been hurt. I pray for those first, Lord, that have been hurt in their relationship with their spouse. Whether they're still together or it ended up in a separation or a divorce, I pray that you'll give them comfort. I pray that you'll encourage them and give them peace.
pray that they can leave here this morning knowing, God, that you love them, that you will never forsake them, no matter what has happened. Because, Lord, when we get to that point, when we when we find that spouse, that the person we want to marry, we never expect it to go south. We always expect it to get better and to be great. And, Lord, those that maybe their relationships are just in, in a struggle right now, maybe there's some turmoil or there's some uh, tension, God, I pray that you will bring peace in that situation. I pray that you'll bring encouragement to them and that you, Lord God, will strengthen their relationship. Strengthen their relationship. And thirdly, Lord, I pray for those who have been hurt by a church family somewhere. And Lord, they're scared to to give up and to give their life in service with another church family, Lord. Lord, they still love you, but they're scared. Lord, they've been hurt. I just pray, Lord, right now, all across our communities, Lord Jesus, that when they come in contact with us, that they will say, wow, I think I might need to find out a little bit more about this person, about their family, and about their church family. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, right now, all across our communities, all those who are hurting, all those who have been abused, all of those who have been neglected by a church family somewhere else, Lord Jesus, that were not living the way that they should have been, not been taking care of things the way they should have been, Lord, distorting the way you had it, Lord. I just pray, Lord, right now, God, touch them. Touch them, Lord, right now. We all cry out for them right now. We all cry out for them right now. If you know somebody that has done that, I just, as you're praying right now, will you pray for that person that have been in that situation, that have been hurt in church? Would you pray for them right now? You go, oh, I've been praying forever and nothing, nothing. Just let's just pray for them right now. And continue to pray for them throughout this week. We call those names out to you right now, Jesus. We call those names out that these people, that the, each of us probably knows somebody, Lord. We call those names out, Lord, right now. Lord, that they would be, Lord, that they would be comforted by your, your touch, Jesus. And that in some way, Lord, we can be, Lord, the healing that needs to happen in their lives. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.